live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Wednesday, August the 10th of 2022. 81 degrees in downtown South Bend. We've got sunshine overhead and plenty to talk about over the next two hours. We're on the air until 7 o'clock. The South Bend Cubs playing in the central time zone. They'll take on the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers tonight, 7.20 pregame, 7.40 first pitch on WSBT Radio. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is being presented by our title sponsor, Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. And by Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. It is nine minutes after five o'clock. Coming up in our next segment, we'll have our Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. We'll recap yesterday's vote, and you can check out all of the questions on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Today's question is already posted. We've got people voting on that as we speak, so we'll pass along those details in just a little bit. Our Irish Players Spotlight later on this hour will center around a guy battling for the starting quarterback job, and that is Drew Pine. Our My 5 question of the day, who benefits from the reported new Big Ten media deals? Some of the details have surfaced. We're assuming most of these details are correct, but you're going to see the Big Ten on a lot of different networks, although... One particular station is not likely going to have Big Ten sports for the first time in 40 years. We'll get into those details coming up in just a little bit. We will talk about the start of Notre Dame football fall camp with Tyler Horka at 6.07. Tyler is the Notre Dame football 
beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. You can check out his work at blueandgold.com. We've got our sports wagering segment to get to as well coming up in the 6 o'clock hour here on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. We begin the program with our first pitch, which is the Fighting Irish defense is looking to be golden in 2022. When Brian Kelly left to become the head coach at LSU, the Fighting Irish football program had a head coaching vacancy. They stayed in-house, and they elevated first-year defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman to head coach. Marcus Freeman needed a defensive coordinator. He waited, and he waited, and he waited just a little bit longer. But it was well worth the wait, as Al Golden was the guy that Marcus Freeman wanted. He had to wait because the Cincinnati Bengals were going on an unexpected, magical run to the Super Bowl. The Bengals were supposed to lose in the divisional round in Nashville to the number one seed of the AFC, the Tennessee Titans. They knocked them out. They went to Kansas City, and they took down Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They had the lead in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl before coming up short to the L.A. Rams, but Al Golden was the linebacker coach for the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. He returns to the college game where he has been a defensive coordinator, and he takes over a fighting Irish defense that was number 15 in the country in scoring defense. Last year's fighting Irish defense, led by Marcus Freeman, gave up 19.6 points per game. That number took a little bit of a bump, unfortunately, when Mike Elston was the defensive coordinator for the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State and the Cowboys. Boy, had it really rolling against an Irish defense on their heels over the last three quarters of that football game. Total defense, Notre Dame was 43rd in the country. Total defense is yardage, 359 and a half yards per game. The Notre Dame rush defense, 37. To be a national champion, you want to be in the top 20 in this category. You want to be able to limit the opportunities of the opposing offense to control the game of the running game. Last year, Notre Dame 37th against the run, 135.3 yards per game allowed. 3.85 yards per carry, 13 rushing touchdowns given up by the Fighting Irish in 2021. Pass efficiency defense was strong, 23rd of the country. The Irish were able to get to the quarterback last season. They averaged 3.15 sacks per game, 13th in the country. That breaks down to 41 sacks in 13 games. Notre Dame was terrific on third down. They were able to get off the field on third down, number 10 in the country at 32.1%. Red zone defense was okay, 39th in the country, 78.7%. 47 opportunities for the opposition inside the Notre Dame 20. They scored 37 times, nine rushing touchdowns, nine passing touchdowns, 
and 19 field goals. Ten times the opposition walked away with no points down in the red zone. So those are some of the key numbers from last year's defense. Again, Al Golden takes over this defense. Once again, we're going to see multiple fronts. You're going to see multiple linebackers, depending on the coverage that the Fighting Irish come out with. You got your main three corners back. Clarence Lewis, Cam Hart, Tariq Bracey. Maybe Jaden Mickey starting to make a move as that number four cornerback, a true freshman for this Fighting Irish football team. You got Brandon Joseph to take over for Kyle Hamilton in the secondary. A lot of good parts for Al Golden to work with. Some really, really good parts. And I didn't even mention about the defensive line, which appears to be ready to have another fantastic year. So what is the defensive philosophy of Al Golden. He gave us a little idea earlier this week when he met the media. Well, again, we're we're trying to develop a defense that can react in situations. So we want to be masters in situational football. Um, so, you know, whether it's third and two or backed up or short yardage or goal line or low red, whatever the situation is, there's a certain way that we want to conduct the game. So I think the guys understand that. They're really starting to improve on that. Uh, we want to be fast and physical. Uh, we want to disrupt the ball. So without getting into too much of what goes on behind the doors, I would say those are some characteristics of it. But we definitely want to be a disruptive group. Um, I think we do have speed. We have guys that will run to the ball. Uh, in uh, a lot of those cases, they can create create plays on the run and disrupt the football, which is great. Disruptive football. Love the sound of that. Not a bad place to start. Defensive end Isaiah Foskey, an All-American candidate. Could have went to the NFL draft. Probably would have been taken anywhere between the second and fourth rounds of last spring's NFL draft. But he came back to Notre Dame to try to win a championship. Also improve his draft stock. Wants to be a first-round pick. The NFL is a throwing league. And with everybody throwing the ball all over the place, you better be able to get after the quarterback with your edge rushers. That's where Isaiah Foskey comes into play as a first-round pick. Does he need to get better with more pass-rushing moves? Sure. His ability to stop the run, get better in that area. Hey, he's a really, really good football player that has the ability to improve these areas to not only help himself for next spring, but help this defense become even better than it was last year. Al Golden, defensive coordinator, his thoughts on coaching the linebackers so far this year in fall camp. Here's what Al Golden had to say when he met the media earlier this week. Uh, it's been great. Um, very privileged to not only you know uh, coach the defense, but uh, to work with these linebackers every day. Um, just guys that are self-disciplined, um, goal-oriented. Um, they really have their house in order. Um, they want to learn ball. It's just, it's just, it really is. It's a blessing, and uh, to have those guys in the room, and uh, for the young guys coming in or future guys coming in to emulate a group like this is uh, just been awesome. Well, you take a look at some of the guys in the linebacker room. You can see why Golden feels that way. Bertrand, Kaiser, Leofau, among others, and you take a look at how things possibly could play out. That rover position. 
belongs to Jack Kaiser, the Indiana kid, Mr. Indiana, his senior year at Pioneer High School. The first ever 1A football player in Indiana to win the best player in the state honor. Good, solid football player. Really good tackler. You got J.D. Bertrand in the middle. 100 tackles last year for Bertrand. Bo Bauer will see him on the field a lot once again this year in certain packages. Weak side linebacker, Maris Leofau. His injury opened the door for Bertrand to get on the field quicker than expected. Bertrand took advantage. Now Leofau is healthy, looking to be the weak side linebacker for this Fighting Irish football team. Prince Collie, intriguing player, Jalen Sneed also Guys, farther down the depth chart at the weak side linebacker spot. So what has Golden learned about his linebackers so far? You know, in linebackers or just in general? Yeah, just, I mean, it's just really a smart group. Um, They can think on the grass. You know, they can control it on the grass. We empower them to do so. Um, We want them to make decisions. They're not always right at this stage of training camp. But uh, if we're all on the same page, then... Obviously, uh, we can still, you know, play the down. So, um, again, um, they, they do what we ask every day. It's a really tough, gritty group, um, but talented. So, really excited about these guys. It sure seems like there will be some responsibilities on the linebackers to diagnose what the offense is doing formation-wise and make some checks. Depending on the coordinator, some like to keep it simple, some like to make it more complex. Seems like there's going to be a lot of responsibility with the players on the field to diagnose the opposing formation, make adjustments, and communication is something all the players and coaches have been talking about on the defensive side of the football. They are working on communication because if you're going to make checks, you better have all 11 people on the same page. And oftentimes, in a loud environment, it might be difficult to hear yourself think. When the hours play at Notre Dame Stadium, hopefully the crowd is going berserk and it's going to be tough for the defense to hear. That's a good thing. We want the crowd into it. Now, at the horseshoe, I would assume when the Buckeyes have the football, they'll try to stay fairly quiet so the communication should be okay for Notre Dame in that matchup. But I know they have had the crowd noise very loud over at the University of Notre Dame preparing for the start of this season and to further along improving communication on the defensive side of the football. Now, Al Golden has spent the last few years in the National Football League coaching professional players. Now he comes back to his roots. He is coaching some teenagers. He is teaching college kids once again. And he was asked earlier this week, is there a big difference in coaching NFL players compared to college players. And it's one that recruits have asked me, and I, I can't speak to being back at any other university right now, but I know being at Notre Dame, the difference isn't much. And uh, I just think we have a group of guys that uh, are, are really smart. They're football guys. They, they are. You're not trying to track them down to get to the weight room or trying to get them to go to class. I mean, these guys, these guys are on it every day. Um, they're goal-oriented. Um, they're focused on what they want to do, and they're, they're dying for, for you to coach them. They're dying to learn um, every day. And, I mean, they, you should see them listen to Al and 
CO and Mick and, and everybody on defense, like these guys really want to learn how to do something better. Uh, and then from that standpoint, they've challenged me to be a better coach, and uh, I'm grateful for that. Al Golden, Fighting Irish defensive coordinator. Finally, here is Coach Golden on working with head coach Marcus Freeman. Golden comes into this program to take over the defense, but also he can be helpful to Marcus Freeman. Probably has been leaned upon a lot leading up to this point. Al Golden's been a head coach at the collegiate level. Did a terrific job turning around Temple, went to Miami, had some success, was let go there. A lot of time in the National Football League, but understands what it takes and what goes into being a collegiate head coach. So Golden not only brings a vast defensive knowledge, but also that head coaching experience, someone that Marcus Freeman can throw ideas off of. And here is Golden on what it has been like to work with first-year Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman. I'll say it again. He's a he's a great leader. Um, Marcus doesn't need me, um, uh, but when he does have a question about something, I'm I'm there to, to give him. And I think everybody on the staff feels the same way. Like he's a natural leader. He knows exactly where he wants to take this team um, and the program. Um, he's got a great blueprint for it. And and you know if if I can help along the way, or I'm sure Harry or any of us uh, along the way. Uh, uh, and then the, there's a great number of Notre Dame guys in the building too, uh, whether it's Ron or Hunter or, or Watt, Tommy, um, that are sharing, you know, obviously the program and the tradition and those types of things. So from that standpoint, uh, I'm here, I serve for coach. I mean, whatever, whatever he needs from me, I'm there for him. Um, he knows that, but uh, right now it's to support his vision and, and it's an awesome vision. There you go, that is Al Golden. First-year defensive coordinator for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. The Irish will hold practice number six of fall camp tomorrow. And the Irish preparing for that season opener. It's coming quickly, September 3rd at the Horseshoe in Columbus. According to the coaches' poll, it'll be number five Notre Dame at number two Ohio State. What a great start to the college football season. It's going to be even more fun for the team that wins this game because they have a marvelous marquee victory already in their chest after week number one. For Notre Dame, if you get this win, I think you could argue that Notre Dame might own the best victory of anybody in the country at the end of the year. Can another team top Notre Dame winning at Ohio State? Hey, if it ends up not being the best, it's going to be one of the best for sure. And a major, major check mark on the resume for the Irish if you win at Ohio State when it comes to playoff time if Notre Dame takes care of the rest of their business. So what a wonderful opportunity. Notre Dame, a two-touchdown underdog. They're not supposed to win. I'm sure the coaching staff will use the underdog ploy to spark their football team a little more. I know a few weeks ago we saw the team working out outside. There was a sled and there were some pictures of 
Ohio State players and maybe the logo on the sled. Just a reminder who's coming up in week number one. There are ways to start a season with a cupcake, not for these two teams, a top five matchup in week number one. And I can only imagine the TV ratings for that particular game. Notre Dame and Ohio State. Marquee programs going toe-to-toe. And oh, by the way, you can hear that ball game right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We'll have an afternoon of pregame coverage leading up to the game at 730 All on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We continue with Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Wednesday evening, 28 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. We talk Notre Dame football fall camp with Blue and Gold Illustrated. Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Hork at the top of the hour. Right here on 960 AM WSBT, we are streaming live at WSBTradio.com. And on the WSBT radio app, and once again today, our new venture, the Twitch app, has a video of our studio. Hi, everyone. Just get the Twitch app. It is free and search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our Twitter question of the day is something we do each weekday on the program. We put the question on Twitter. My account is 960SportsBeat. We let you vote on it for 24 hours. The next day, we pass along the results and introduce a brand new question. So here we go with yesterday's Twitter question of the day. Which team ranked in the preseason coaches college football poll, in your opinion, is overrated? Here were your three choices. The number four team of the country, the Clemson Tigers. The number six team in the land. The Michigan Wolverines. And choice number three, ranked number 15 in the nation, according to the coaches, the University of Southern California Trojans. After you voted, well, third place in the voting, picking up just 12% of the votes, Lincoln Riley's USC Trojans. I can understand why USC came in third. I expected USC to finish third in the voting because I think they are in a place that is fair to the program. They've got Caleb Williams at quarterback. They brought in two high-end receivers, including Addison from Pitt. Skill position-wise, USC looks as talented as anybody. But as I've talked about a couple of times on the program during the offseason, if USC is playing seven-on-seven football, they could be really good, but how good are they going to be up front on offense and defense? That is going to be a deciding factor on if they are a top-20 football team or a team that has a lot of pizzazz but doesn't have the substance yet. By the end of the season, USC should be a really good football team. 
When the Irish go to Southern California, USC should be at their best if they're healthy. But 15, I think, is fair for USC at this point. So I agree, 12%, they should have been third in the voting. Second place in the voting, which of these three teams ranked in the preseason coaches college football poll is overrated? Getting 32% of the vote, the number four team in the land, Dabo Sweeties, Clemson Tigers. Now, I expected Clemson to battle Michigan for the top spot in this vote. If you dig a little deeper, I thought Clemson might overtake Michigan, even though Michigan's a rival and nobody likes Michigan that roots for Notre Dame. But if you think about it, if Notre Dame beats Clemson at Notre Dame Stadium, Clemson is not going to be the number four team in the country. So if you look at it from that standpoint, Clemson is going to be overrated. Now, maybe the thinking is Michigan's going to lose three or four games and they're not going to be close to number six. That's possible. I just thought Clemson might get a little more love, so to speak, because Notre Dame, when they beat them at Notre Dame Stadium, they will tumble in the polls. So Clemson, second in the voting at 32%, and winning the vote rather easily, Mr. Harbaugh. The maize and blue, the Michigan Wolverines, got 56% of the vote. They'll probably already have a loss or two going to Ohio State, but That'll be another loss, and I don't think Michigan ends up close to the number six ranking. So I think USC has the best chance to finish the closest to their preseason ranking at 15. I think Clemson could finish in the top 10. There aren't many good teams on their schedule. If they lose to Notre Dame, they're probably still going to be in the top 10. Michigan, to me, could be ready for a tad bit of a fall, and we already know at the end of the year. That Ohio State game will be a handful in Columbus. So we thank you for voting with our Twitter question of the day yesterday. Which team, Clemson, Michigan, or USC, is the most overrated in the preseason coaches poll? You selected the number six team, the Michigan Wolverines. We now move on to today's question. You think about the 2023 NFL Draft Several Notre Dame players likely will be in the running. On the offensive line, Jared Patterson. Tight end Michael Mayer could be a top 10 overall pick. What about safety Brandon Joseph and Isaiah Foskey? All candidates for the first round. So let's move beyond those guys. Let's look further down the road. Of these four players... Which offensive player might be a first-round pick? We're talking about 2024 and beyond, so forget about Patterson and Mayer on the offensive side of the football. Beyond those guys, from 2024 and beyond, which offensive player might be the most sought-after player? Here are your four choices. Offensive tackle, Joe Alt. He'll be the team starting left tackle against Ohio State. How good was he last year once he entered the starting lineup? Choice number two, the other offensive tackle from the right side, Blake Fisher. Choice number three, up-and-coming wide receiver, 
Lorenzo Styles Jr. And the fourth choice, quarterback Tyler Buckner. So, 2024 NFL Draft and beyond, which of these four offensive players do you feel like will be the most sought-after player by the pros? Alt, Fisher, Styles, Buckner. You can make your voice heard right now. All you have to do is log on to Twitter and search my account at 960SportsBeat. We'd love for you to vote. And then come back tomorrow as we will pass along the results of today's question and introduce our Thursday SportsBeat Twitter question of the day. We appreciate you taking the time to vote in our poll each day. Well, we have another big winner in our John's Auto Spa double bingo game. Congratulations to Erica from Osceola. She won $2,100 in our double bingo game. So we ask you to clear your cards as we have one more game left of the John's Auto Spa double bingo game. And that will begin tomorrow. If you don't have a radio bingo card yet, it's so simple. Just go to michianabingo.com that's michianabingo.com and maybe you will win $2,100 like Erica from Osceola our Irish player spotlight is coming up next today we focus on quarterback Drew Pine 541 is our time I'm Darren Pritchett hope you're having a great Wednesday this is Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the fighting Irish sports radio 960 WSBT Streaming live at WSBTRadio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and on Twitch. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel won by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run! Touchdown! Spectacular run! Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Herb Smith touchdown. Five by rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports be brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. Also by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Pet Refuge. Great to have you on board on this Wednesday evening. Once again, the Irish will hold practice number six of fall camp Tomorrow, opening game, September 3rd at Ohio State, 7.30 kickoff that night right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, we have now reached the portion of the program. It is our Irish player spotlight, and today we are locking in on fighting Irish quarterback Drew Pine, six foot, 200 pounds. The junior last year played in two games, Cincinnati and Wisconsin, and combined to go 15 of 30, throwing the football for 50%, 224 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Of note, that Wisconsin game at Soldier Field, Jack Cohn left the game in the second half with an injury. Cohn departs, so Drew Pine comes in the ball game and does a terrific job. The defense chipped in with a great end of the ball game. Jack Kaiser had... 
the touchdown to help the defense. All around great performance by the Irish in the second half to put away the Badgers, and Pine was a part of that with a touchdown pass and going 6 of 8 against Wisconsin. So last year, Jack Cohn, Drew Pine, Tyler Buckner, those were the three names in fall camp. Cohn won the battle, started all 13 games for the Fighting Irish. Buckner became the quote-unquote change-up quarterback, and Drew Pine was a guy that was just kind of waiting in the wings for the opportunity, got the chance to play with the Irish down against Cincinnati at Notre Dame Stadium, and again with the Cone injury, took advantage and played well at Soldier Field. But we did not see Drew Pine again on the field after that performance at Soldier Field. Now this year, it is a two-man quarterback competition. It is Pine and Buckner. So what are Pine's thoughts on this quarterback competition? Yeah, uh, you know, I think camp's going really well so far. You know, offensively, we had a great day yesterday, I feel like. And, um, you know, in the red zone, it's tough. You know, you only have 20, sometimes 10, sometimes 7 yards to operate in offense when you got 11 guys on defense, uh, you know, guarding that area. That's a tight area. So, um, you know, it's, it's been good, though. And it's, it's good to start in a tough area. Uh, offensively and um, you know I think our team's really come along coach Freeman's talking about us trying to find our identity and uh, you know I think we're doing that and uh, you know I think Tyler and I are pushing ourselves and pushing each other and uh, you know I think we're just controlling what we can and controlling each rep and uh, you know trying to make our team better. You know I like the idea that the Irish are going with this year and they have started out with some red zone place to get things started. You're talking about have to make tough decisions right off the bat as a quarterback down in the red zone where the field shrinks, where there seems like there's a lot more defenders on the field since it is a smaller area and the Irish are needing to be a whole lot better down in the red zone. Points are good. Field goals are okay, but you get to the playoffs, you win championships by being highly effective down in the red zone. Buckner's running ability adds a little different twist to the offense down in the red zone. Pine more of a pocket passer with some movability. So I laid out the quarterback competition last year and this year, and Drew Pine was asked to compare the two situations. Um, you know, I think as you know, as long as I've ever lived, I've competed, and it doesn't matter who I'm going against. It doesn't matter, you know, whether I'm the second string, third string, fourth string, whatever. I'm, you know, my freshman year was Ian, Ian Book was here, and you know he was unbelievable. He was a, you know, winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history, and he's one of my best friends. And but you know what? I was competing with other guys, and and uh, you know, no matter who it is, I'm going to compete, and you know that's just who I am. And uh, so you know, I'm always going to try my best to do to do my best. I'm going to watch as much film. I'm going to you know study as hard. And I'm going to work out as hard, and I'm going to practice as hard. And um, so it doesn't matter to me. Every everything's a competition for me, and um, every year is the same. Well, it seems like going into fall camp that it was Buckner's job to lose and Pine was going to continue to push him. And we'll see if that thought going into fall camp became reality, as we will probably find out in the next week or so who the starting quarterback is for this football team. But the competition is a unique one. These aren't two guys that are dislike each other or there's a a major conflict between the two this is one of those interesting situations and this is good for a quarterback room as you develop it but Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner 
are really good friends. You know, we were actually just talking about this walking downstairs. Uh, but you know, he, he and I are really good friends. You know, we're best friends. We you know we golf. We we uh, you know talk about everything. We you know watch film together. We do everything. You know, our girlfriends hang out. You know, we he, we're we're really close. And on the field, you know, I think we both know that we're two you know extremely hard competitors. I think that he and I both you know push each other very hard to compete with each other and. Uh, but, you know, it's a good thing because that makes both of us better. And um, so, you know, I think we push each other as hard as we can and um, but maintain a good friendship because, I mean, what do we need to be, you know, arguing with each other for or, you know, having bad blood because the main goal is to win a national championship and none of that's going to help. You know, us pushing each other to be the best we can on the field, that's going to help us win games and being on this field and helping our team. Like, our team is so good. And it's, it'd be a shame if, you know, we are distracted by anything else than helping our team win because, you know, quarterback is an important position and we should do everything we possibly can to help us win. That's a very mature answer. That is a very well thought out answer. That was not, you could tell, a, a scripted Fighting Irish media that they gave to him. That was from the heart, you could tell, and that was a well thought out answer and Actually makes a whole lot of sense. You want to have a really good room throughout your football program, each of those rooms. You want competition, of course, but at the same time, you need some unity, especially at the quarterback position. You have to be able to help each other. There are things the backup can see in a film session that can help the starter and vice versa. So the fact that there is good communication between the two on the field and off the field, I think that is a major positive for the Red Army. As I mentioned, had the good performance against Wisconsin, then we did not see Drew Pine again. And here's Pine talking about his role evolving last year. Um, you know, I think just, you know, having confidence that, you know, like I said, and, you know, I've always, you know, told myself and said to you guys that, you know, my freshman year, I'm, I'm ready to play. I'm ready to play. And I went against Alabama, and I was happy that I threw a seven-yard completion against Alabama. But, uh, you know, I think building confidence that, you know, preparing that way, you know, t telling myself that, you know, why am I watching film till so late at night? Why am I working so hard? You know, I could be doing this. I could be doing that. But, you know, finally getting my chance to play and going in there and, and you know, helping our team win, like all, all of it was worth it. And, and having the confidence that all that stuff it ends up, you know, helping our team win, like, there's nothing better than that. So, um, you know, just having the confidence in myself to play against Wisconsin-Cincinnati last year, two of the top five defenses in the country, um, you know, that I think, you know, just building, the, building that confidence from last season. Once again, our Irish player spotlight today, quarterback Drew Pine. The final soundbite I want to play for you, I think this is a terrific soundbite. It tells you everything you need to know about Drew Pine as he is ready to help this football team win. Of course, he wants to be the starter. If he's going to be the backup, he's going to give it his all. But this is a guy that is ready to help this football team reach all of its goals. <laughs> yeah, so I I think that, uh, you know, these three or four weeks and really, you know, this camp and, every, and, you know, this summer, I've just been, you know, very locked in this camp. Especially, you know, I've told myself that, you know, this is very serious. Like, we, you know, we're a very good team, and a lot of that falls on the quarterback's back because, you know, if, if our quarterbacks aren't doing everything they can to help us succeed, then, you know, what are we doing? So, 
you know, I'm doing everything I can. I'm watching film. I'm, I'm, you know, eating well. I'm getting enough sleep. But at the same time, you know, I'm doing everything football, like everything. You know, last night, our bed checks at 10 o'clock. I walked in my room at 9.55. I got in my room. Tobias Merriweather and I quizzed each other on the script for an hour. We went to bed at 11, woke up at 6.30. And, you know, we did that. I was sitting there with my eyes closed like this, going through the plays, and, and I did the same thing for him. And, and you know, we... We help each other, and that's just what we do here. Like that's Notre Dame. That's that's the guys on this team that you know want us to be so good. And that's Coach Freeman every single day, like putting that into us to be able to you know go out there on the field and be so motivated to win and do something that's never been done here in 30 something years. You know, it's it's something that's very important. And, you know, all you guys care, all the fans care. You know, it's it's something that can be really special. And um, you know, you just got to put everything into it. There you go. Irish player spotlight for today. We focus on Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine. It is four minutes in front of the top of the hour. Darren Pritchett with you on Sportsbeat. Coming up in about 10 minutes, you'll hear from Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at blueandgold.com. We'll talk all things Notre Dame football fall camp. We'll talk some storylines that have developed already. One of the players he was really interested to see on the practice field was freshman wide receiver Tobias Merriweather. So, of course, I'll ask him about his impressions of Merriweather, who apparently is showing up pretty well right now in fall practice. Notre Dame football talk continues in a couple of moments. It is 5.57, Sports Center update on the way as well on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. And we rock and roll into the second hour. Budweiser's weekday sports speed on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Brought to you by Budweiser. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Pet Refuge. My name is Darren Pritchett. Nine minutes after 6 o'clock, Tyler Horka jumps on board for his normal Wednesday conversation. He is the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out all his work at blueandgold.com. As we are through five Notre Dame football fall practices, number six is coming up tomorrow. So let's recap where we stand right now with this Fighting Irish football team. Tyler, it had to be a lot of fun to see a few practices already to see that old pigskin in the air once again. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of feels like the first day of school in a way, <laughs> going back to last Friday when, you know, because you get to see all the other beat members who are all there. And I saw Tom Noy of uh, the South Bend Tribune, and I was like, hey, man, looks like you got a little tan. You might have had more fun this summer than I did, and I'm only 26 <laughs> years old. That's not fair. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's good to see everybody all in the same place. And like you said, some football's flying around, some pads on, and Coaches yelling, players grunting. It's it's that time of year. We're about to get it uh, started for real early next month. Now, as we get into this conversation, let's go ahead and set the table that the media's had the chance to watch one full practice and then bits and pieces of a couple of other practices. So it's not like we have seen every second of every moment of Notre Dame football 
fall camp. But based on what you have checked out so far, Tyler, how would you describe the Notre Dame quarterback competition? I think we're on the same page going into fall camp. From our standpoint, it sure seemed like it was Buckner's job to lose with Drew Pine pushing him. How would you describe the competition now five practices into fall camp? In short, closer than expected. Maybe an actual competition. Like you said, I think it was kind of a formality and everyone's expecting Marcus Freeman or maybe they do some social media reveal because they seem to be pretty good at those of late to name Tyler Buckner the starter. But I think just after that, and I don't want to be a prisoner of, of the moment, but after that first practice, like you said, we saw the whole thing. That's two hours of football. And, of course, most of everyone's attention was on the quarterback because those are the two guys that you want to watch. And that's, you know, the most important player on any football team is the quarterback, and Notre Dame hasn't named a starter. So you're looking at those guys, and from what I saw, there was not a clear front runner. And if Tyler Buckner was, you know, primed as that guy, as we, we have done on this show, you look at blueandgold.com, you look at all the other outlets that cover Notre Dame football and even some of the national outlets, Everyone's kind of expecting Tyler Buckner to be named the starter at some point, and and that could still be the case. I think everyone is still in that boat, but what Drew Pine did on that Friday was tell me, and I think he told a lot of other people, maybe this is a little tighter of a race than people expected, or maybe he's a more capable backup, and and that was his way of saying, hey, you know, I I might lose this thing, but I'm in it to win it, and I'm going to play really well from the start, and, you know, they're going to have to say that Tyler Buckner was that much better than me because I'm going to play really well. And that's what Drew Pine did on that Friday. We didn't see a whole lot of, you know, actual scrimmage type stuff. The teams weren't going up and down the field. Um, You've probably read that it was a lot of red zone stuff, you know, 15 yard line and in even. And obviously Tyler Buckner was probably playing against more of the ones than Drew Pine was, but over the course of probably 30 to 45 minutes of just 15 yards and in we got a pretty good feel of you know who had a good feel of quarterbacking those units and I would say Drew Pine had a better day had more touchdowns better completion percentage they both only threw one interception and that's been an emphasis going back to the spring is taking care of the football so that was good from from that standpoint but just overall I, I think you know Drew Pine is he's a junior he's you know lost one of these quarterback competitions last year has been a backup for two years I think it was his way of saying, hey, look, you know, you, you guys are going to have to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to straight up lose this thing. Tyler Buckner is going to have to win it over me, and I think that's going to carry on a little longer than people expect. Now, you're not the head coach. You're not the offensive coordinator. So I'm asking basically your opinion more than anything else. But based on what you saw in that two-hour window in which you've described the competition looks a whole lot closer than maybe we expected, do you think it opens the door for not only Pine to be a major factor here, but is there any chance Notre Dame could go down that road once again and use two different quarterbacks since the traits of these two guys are a little different? Yeah, you you hit on a lot of really key things right there. And obviously the big one is, is there a possibility that we see both at some point, you know, throughout the course of an entire season? And I would say yes. And my big reason for saying that is I asked Marcus Freeman this question pretty much directly 
in his office when we got him one-on-one over the summer. And he said he's, you know, the two-quarterback system is never really the preferred route. You'd always like to have one guy and stick to that guy. But if it so happens that they have to use both, well, they have both on the roster. And, you know, neither of them is taking a red shirt here this year, um, you know, unless someone gets injured and, you know, Tyler Buckner can only play in four games or whatever. And then that's obviously not what you want. So you're going to use both guys. And if you have to use both guys, they will. But I think this also goes back to what I said about only playing 15 yards and in, and look, they weren't in full pads. So these quarterbacks weren't getting hit and quarterbacks aren't getting hit in most practices anyway. But you go back to the blue gold game and, you know, we saw Drew Pine struggle a little bit between the twenties, you know, in the middle of the field, he gets down into the red zone. I think we see a better Drew Pine, more of a playmaker that goes back to the, the gamer in him and the moxie in him. But if you're trying to move the ball, 80 yards down the field, Tyler Buckner is probably still your best option because mm-hmm. he can give you that running element. He can get outside the tackles and, and do a lot of those sorts of things that Drew Pine probably can't. So we can't use that one practice as, you know, key, you know, the sole determinant in saying this race is much closer than expected. I think Drew Pine, you know, both things can be, tr- can be true. Drew Pine showed me something that day. But there was also, you know, a little left to be desired, and that wasn't Buckner's fault. That was because we didn't get a true glimpse of what, you know, the Tommy Reese Notre Dame mm-hmm. offense is going to look like in 2022. He is Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out his work at blueandgold.com. Let's take the quarterbacks out of the equation for a moment. What stood out also about the Fighting Irish offense? It was the wide receivers for me, and I guess I'll say one point quickly. Of course, Jarrett Patterson did move to left guard, and Zeke Carell looks like he's going to start at center. We reported that at blueandgold.com, so that was really just confirmation that that shuffling is going to happen. So when I saw that first thing on Friday, it, it didn't really surprise me. It was more of just, okay, that's a thing, and, that, and that's actually happening. We'll probably talk about that more some other time. But for me, it was the wide receivers, and Jaden Thomas getting starting reps at boundary. You know, we've spent all off season asking if six, four Dion Colsey as a sophomore can be the guy that replaces Kevin Austin jr. When all along, you know, the writing might've been on the wall that Jaden Thomas had a really good November. He had a really good set of Fiesta Bowl practices leading into that game. Only, even though we only got four snaps, but he's kind of been the guy that's been trending upward more so than Colsey. And then, when we walked in there on Friday and saw him getting starting reps, it was kind of like a light bulb moment for me. It was like, you know, why, why didn't this light bulb go off sooner? Because, <laughs> you know, it, it's been there and he, he's been the guy that has maybe been poised in positioning himself to get these reps. And there he was. Of course, Lorenzo Styles was also out there, but Avery Davis was also getting starting reps coming back from his ACL injury. So maybe we've had the wide receiver position laid out, you know, completely wrong if, if those are the three guys because of course we thought Braden Lindsay would be starting I mentioned Deion Colsey but you know now I wouldn't be shocked if it was the three guys I just mentioned Thomas Styles and, and Davis who went out there uh, against Ohio State as the three starters and I know Davis mm. is still trying to get to full percent to, to 100 percent but man we watched some competitive reps with him on Friday and Saturday and he looks really good to me and if if this is the Avery Davis that we see now in you know, early to mid-August, I think he's going to be really good in early September. So 
I think there's still some juggling to be had with that wide receiver room, but it definitely got a little more clear seeing Thomas out there. I think Styles is the clear number one, and then everybody is following him. But I think Thomas is kind of closing that gap and showing that mm. of all the sophomores that Notre Dame has in that wide receiver room, he could be a really good one. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you for a player that you wanted to see on the offensive side of the football in that first practice, and you pointed to freshman wide receiver Tobias Merriweather, and that turned out to be you know, a pretty good choice for a couple of reasons, including that's one guy we had not seen, of course, in the spring, so this was going to be your first chance to see this very talented wide receiver. What was your takeaway after seeing him in person for the first time? No, he looks every bit, you know, a college wide receiver. He doesn't look like a freshman. He's tall. He's rangy. He's long. I think he's got that fat, you know, that quick t- that quick twitch, that fast ability to get off the line. It just it just looks like he's moving quickly out there. You know, there's some guys that you see and you're like, man, I wish that guy would just, you know, move a little faster. And I'm not trying to pick on Deion Colsey because – He's a big dude, and, and he's going to get better. He might be one of those guys who, as a junior and a senior, is saying, okay, this is the guy that Notre Dame recruited, and this is why he's wearing you know, the blue and gold. But Tobias Merriweather already looks like that, and this is a guy that showed up on campus just a couple months ago. So we were talking about that Notre Dame wide receiver room and how we were trying to lay it out you know, all off season. We didn't start talking about Merriweather until – June, July, because that's when he got on campus and that's when he officially got into the mix. But seeing him amongst these other, you know, seven or eight Notre Dame wide receivers, he looks like he could play day one. I think he is going to play day one. I think we're going to try to keep this group really fresh. And the fact that he comes in as the only true freshman and and provides that extra body that the room desperately needs and a body type that is, you know, very unique, he and Colsey are the only guys that are towering above everybody else in that room. I think he's going to play right away. I think he's going to be a factor against Ohio State. Is he going to go through some growing pains? Absolutely. You know, I've seen that in practice. I've seen Chancey Stuckey be particularly hard on him because he did drop a few passes in just individual drills while Stuckey was throwing the balls. And Stuckey said, hey, man, if you're going to drop my passes, you're probably going to drop those out there and you can't do that. So I've seen him be a little hard on him, but I think I know what Stucky is trying to do. He's trying to prepare him for day one because they're going to need him. Tyler Horka, Blue and Gold Illustrated, my guest here on WSBT Radio. Defensive side of the football. Marcus Freeman's the head coach. He brings in Al Golan from the National Football League. We're still going to see multiple fronts. Al Golan takes over a very talented defensive side of the football for this Fighting Irish football team. Did anything catch your eye with the Fighting Irish defense? I think it was D.J. Brown lining up opposite of Brandon Joseph at safety, and we spent so much time talking about Ramon Henderson because you know the, the athleticism that he brings to that back end of the Notre Dame defense is probably unmatched. I think he can do some things back there. Saw it against Virginia when he ran all the way across the field to make an interception. I've seen it a couple other times after Kyle Hamilton went out with his injury last year. But everybody kind of forgot that Notre Dame has a couple of fifth-year seniors in Houston Griffith and D.J. Brown, and those guys have had their ups and downs in their careers. But D.J. Brown looked really good in that two-hour session that we got to see on Friday, had a couple pass breakups, caught an interception. He always seemed to be in the right place at the right time, and that's what you want from you know, a safety back there as your back line of defense. So 
I thought he looked really good, especially in the red zone too, because you know that's where the field condenses, and if the safety isn't where he needs to be, then that's basically just like you're, you're misplacing one of your, you know, eleven guys. You might as well be playing ten on eleven if if he's not going to be in the right place. So obviously, there's more to it for the safety position than just being in the right place at the right time. He struggled with the tackles. He struggled with some speed things, but just based on the way that they've been lining up the first, you know, three practices that we've got to watch, it looks like DJ Brown has a pretty good grip on that safety spot. And those might be your two safeties that you see run out there against Ohio state. And by the way, safety is a very important position Hmm. when you're playing a team like Ohio state, it might be DJ Brown and Brandon Joseph. I'm glad you asked the question after practice because Joseph was catching passes and it ended up on social media, and all of a sudden you're thinking, wow, might they use him at wide receiver? The first thing that crossed your mind, oh, wow, the wide receiver position must be struggling. They're going to try Joseph, but in fact it had nothing to do with Joseph being on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, no, I'm, I don't want to question Marcus Freeman because he's a much brighter football mind, and he's played the game, and he studied the game for two decades now as a, head, as a collegiate coach in some capacity. But I went back and watched the video that I took, and you know, like you said, there were some other videos on, on Twitter. Okay. It sort of looked like Brandon Joseph was you know, kind of lining up as a receiver, and it looked like more than what Marcus Freeman said was a special teams angling drill, <laughs> which very important drill, by the way. And, I mean, you can use that drill offense, defense as well, just, just – teaching angles and, and learning how to tackle. But I don't know. He looked pretty swift with the ball in his hand. Uh, yeah. I know he might be one of Notre Dame's returners this year, so that would make sense in what Marcus Freeman said. But uh, he and Jaden Mickey both were catching passes. And the only thing that, that didn't make sense to me when Marcus said that was, you know, all the offensive guys, who, you know, everyone from one line went to the other line. And that was you know, one person's going to have a ball in his hand, the next guy's going to be taking the angle. But the only two guys in white jerseys, which represent defense out there in practice, that I saw actually catch the ball and run with the ball were Joseph and Mickey. And to me, that's no coincidence because those guys are athletic freaks. And if Notre Dame did need some help on the offensive side of the ball, if, you know, an injury came down on one of those wide receivers, which Notre Dame can't afford, so let's not even speak it into existence. Those would be the two guys from, you know, the defensive side of the ball that I would look at probably, Joseph, Mickey, maybe Xavier Watts because, you know, he's been Mm -hmm. on the offensive side of the ball before. But, yeah, I mean, it it definitely caught my eye. It was happening right in front of me, and I was like, whoa. (laughs) How how about a day one curveball? Like you said, first day of spring practice or first day of fall camp is like first day of school, and, you know, you're going to get thrown something that you weren't prepared for, obviously, because you've been sleeping all summer. That kind of woke me up a little bit. We'll just file it away for now and see if we have yeah. any reason to pull it back out in a couple of weeks. I just want to also get your thoughts on what a terrific season J.D. Bertrand had last year for the Fighting Irish. He was supposed to be a backup, but the door opened due to injury, and boy, did he take advantage with over 100 tackles last year. It seemed like the first month of the season, every game, double-digit tackles. He was a major factor in all these games. I don't want to call him a surprise because the coaching staff always talked about him, even on special teams, but he took advantage of the opportunity, and now, Tyler, Bertrand coming off a great year leads a very talented linebacking core. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that we forget is that to step into that role, 
after Marius Cleofile went down about 10 days before the start of the season, I think it was last year, he kind of had to change positions, even though he was he was a utility guy for the linebacker group all of fall camp last year. It seemed like every day we showed up, he'd be playing all three of those positions, mainly Will and, and middle linebacker. But I think he mostly projects as a middle linebacker. And when Leofile went down, they're like, you're up at Will and you're going to start at Will. 101 tackles later, you know, next closest guy on the roster has 55 tackles. He had an extraordinary year. There were some knocks on him, like – even with the 101 tackles, I think some people say he could maybe work on tackling in space a little bit better, work on uh, his coverage skills a little more. But you got to remember, this guy had what Patrick Ingle, my coworker, reported a broken wrist. I, you know, for most of the season last year, I don't know exactly when he broke it, but you know, he was playing injured last year and still made 101 tackles, and, and those things can kind of affect your open field tackling. If you're coming up on a guy and <laughs> your wrist is broken, you probably don't want to meet him, you know, at the point of attack and, you know, try to down him in the trenches and whatnot. So what he did was, was outstanding because Notre Dame needed it. And like you said, early in the year, I, you know, if there was somebody that you would say is flying around and doing everything out there, it was JD Bertrand. So I was not surprised. And I'm not surprised knowing more about that family now and being able to cover his brother, John Michaels, you know, baseball season. Notre Dame's not in Omaha without John Michael Bertrand doing what he did on Friday nights for that team. So I think that that family just has an athletic gene, a competitive gene. J.D. Bertrand certainly has that, and Notre Dame is definitely better for it in the linebacking department. Uh, and it's crazy. I don't even know if he's going to start this year. He's trying to compete with maybe Bo Bauer in the middle for a starting job. And obviously he can play those other positions as well, but that's how talented and deep Mm. Notre Dame is at the linebacker spot. If that guy is still trying to lock down his starting spot. Well, it's a very busy time at blue and gold illustrated blue and gold.com is just full of articles. I mean, Notre Dame football practice, other storylines. I know Jack Swarbrick, I think spoke today about some issues. We've got recruiting going on, and the best deal in college sports is still available for all our Irish fans listening tonight. Absolutely. Go to blueandgold.com, sign up for $1, and you get a premium year of subscription access to that website, and obviously that'll carry you through the football season this year, 2022. That'll get you through basketball season. Patrick Ingle covers the men. I cover the woman. Um Ashton Pollard obviously does a really good job in helping us out with pretty much everything. I think I mentioned Bertrand as a utility person in the linebacker, in the linebacking core. Ashton Pollard <laughs> is basically our utility person at blueandgold.com. She does it all. A really good job with our YouTube channel as well. You can find our live shows on blueandgold.com. You can even watch them, you know, a day or two after they've been live as well. So, like you said, everything is there. Nobody covers Notre Dame athletics like blueandgold.com. And to get it for only $1, it's the best deal in sports media. I've, I've said it before. I'll keep saying it. I'll say it for as long as it's here. And I don't <laughs> think it's going to be here much longer, so you might as well go. There's only uh, 24 days until Notre Dame plays Ohio State. If you don't have a blueandgold.com subscription by then, you're just doing it wrong. You're doing yeah. football season wrong. And since Tyler covers Notre Dame hockey, I'll mention right now South Bend's very own Graham Slaggard in the World Juniors, which was postponed from last December due to COVID. They're playing now, and Graham had a goal and an assist in Team USA's first game against Germany. The Americans won 5-1, to one, so 
Graham, a part of the Irish hockey program, a goal and an assist in game number one of the World Juniors. He had a goal in the one game the United States played before COVID postponed the rest of the tournament just about, oh, eight months ago. So there you go, a little hockey thrown in as well. Tyler, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Hockey in August. I will take that anytime I can get it. Keep doing that, <laughs> We might be the only two wanting to talk about hockey, but we'll amuse <laughs> yeah. ourselves. How about that? All right. Tyler, All right, good to be you. with you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, Darren. Make sure you check out Tyler's work and the rest of the crew at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Their website is blueandgold.com. Of course, follow Tyler on Twitter as well and get the latest on Fighting Irish Football. 631. I'm Darren Pritchett. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Coming up in a couple of moments are my five question of the day. There are some reports what this mega Big Ten media deal might be all about. And based on the details, I've come up with the five groups or individuals who benefit the most from this reported massive Big Ten media deal. That's on the way next on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 6.39 and WSBT, Darren Pritchett with you on this Wednesday evening, South Bend Cubs baseball. First pitch in one hour up in Appleton, Wisconsin. South Bend taking on the Timber Rattlers. Pre-game coverage starts at 7.20, first pitch at 7.40 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We have another big winner in our John's Auto Spa double bingo game. Erica from Osceola has won $2,100. So clear your cards as we have one more game left of the John's Auto Spa double bingo game. That will begin tomorrow. If you don't have your card yet, get yours at MichianaBingo.com. One question, five answers. This is the My 5 Question of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, today's My 5 Question of the Day is based on speculation. We've heard a lot about how massive this Big Ten media deal might be. And apparently we're getting really close to the conference announcing this new package. And the reports are that after 40 years, the Big Ten will not air on ESPN slash ABC. That ESPN is out of the mix. So ESPN will be all about the SEC and the ACC. And the Big Ten could be spread out among several outlets, including some streaming services. Now, of course, they have the Big Ten Network for some of their programming. And let's face it, growing up in central Illinois, I know where the Illini are going to be. They're going to be on the Big Ten Network probably quite often. 
But the big boys, they're going to be out on display in this new media deal in a couple of years. So, based on what we know, today's my five question of the day. Who benefits from the reported new Big Ten media deal? Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, we will start with Fox. Apparently, Fox has landed a portion of the Big Ten deal. Now, think about Fox. A good chunk of what they want to do is based on Oklahoma and Texas representing the Big 12 Conference. That noon kickoff, you saw some Big 12 action. Well, Oklahoma and Texas in a couple of years are going to be in the Southeastern Conference in the Big 12 doesn't have a whole lot to offer from a wow standpoint. Oklahoma State against Iowa State might be one of their better games, and gah. So without Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12, they needed something with a little more bang. And apparently, we're going to see a Big 10 game on Fox at noon. Now, it's probably going to be the number three Big Ten game that week. But you know what? The number three Big Ten game is still better than any conference matchup you can come up with in the Big 12. So Fox improved itself if, in fact, they got a chunk of the Big Ten deal. And if it's going to be a noon kickoff featuring a Big Ten game, Fox is in better shape moving forward when you think about Texas and Oklahoma gone from the Big 12. Four. Who benefits from the reported new Big Ten media deal? NBC. Well, NBC wants to be more involved in the college football game. When I was growing up, it seemed like out of nowhere, college football showed up on NBC as they always would have the Rose Bowl with Dick Enberg and Merlin Olson. At night, Don Crickey and Bob Trumpy, the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl would be early in the day. Well, now NBC wants to be a part of the regular season beyond Notre Dame football. When you think of NBC, you don't think of college football. Now, at the very least, they're putting their name on the map. So think about NBC on a Notre Dame home Saturday. You've got the Irish playing mid to late afternoon, and then if NBC, in fact, got the primetime Big Ten game, which will be the number one game of the week, all of a sudden, NBC is a major player in college football. So when the Irish play, you've got a pretty good doubleheader for NBC. Now, when the Irish are on the road, we'll see what NBC does. Do they add some Pac-12 games from another conference? Who knows? But at the very least, they've got that primetime game. Those primetime games deliver, and NBC now has something to go up against what probably is going to be eventually an SEC or ACC primetime game on ABC. You know, also with this primetime game reportedly coming to NBC, I hope it pushes the envelope on Notre Dame broadcast. I think the production value and effort can be better by NBC if Notre Dame sticks with NBC, which we assume they will. I would love for NBC to treat that doubleheader like they do Sunday night football. Make it an outstanding production. 
with really good broadcasters. Now, you're not going to have Mike Tirico. He's moving to Sunday Night Football, so there probably is going to be a drop-off. Well, there's going to be a drop-off from Tirico, just how far, I guess, is the question. But I think the more NBC focuses on college football, the better the Notre Dame product is. And also, you've got now NBC, another place to talk about Notre Dame football during the primetime game. Hey, we all know you could have a game on ESPN at noon at 4.30, and they're probably going to focus on a game coming up later in the day involving an SEC or an ACC team. That is what NBC can do for Notre Dame football. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Who benefits the most from the reported new Big Ten media deal? Number three, CBS. They arguably had the most important piece of the college football puzzle, the SEC game of the week. What a staple. Mid-afternoon, Honestly, it was must-see TV. A majority of those SEC games on CBS were really good matchups. The 3.30 window was big for CBS. But that package is going to ESPN. There were even times that CBS benefited from a couple of doubleheaders. Notre Dame was involved in one of those a couple of years ago. Now CBS has a major hole to fill with the SEC leaving. The ACC, the SEC, not possible. So the next best option is the Big Ten. And reportedly, they'll get the number two Big Ten game, which will air in that SEC time slot we're so used to seeing. Without the Big Ten package, boy, CBS is out in the cold. All of the outstanding packages would have been gone. Now, I guess they could have bid on Notre Dame football, try to get it away from NBC. That could have been a possibility, but the Big Ten's a major get. They really overpaid. I mean, it's a massive deal. What, $350 million for 13 games? What can Notre Dame get from NBC if that's what CBS is giving the Big Ten? Holy cow. That's a lot of cash. But CBS is still involved in college football If, in fact, the reports are accurate, they're replacing that 330 SEC window with the number two Big Ten game. Number two. Who benefits the most from the reported new Big Ten media deal? The Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick today said, quote, about this reported massive Big Ten deal and NBC being involved. Swarbrick said, quote, but it's also perfect for Notre Dame. We need NBC to have more college football to more effectively promote our games, to talk about our games, and to have NBC be seen in that light. So that was great for us that they got a piece of this end quote. What were the reports that Notre Dame wanted $75 million from NBC to stay independent? I mean, my heavens, they might be able to get... More than that. Again, if CBS is giving $350 million for 13 games, if Notre Dame has six or seven games, could they get 150, 180? I mean, why not? But Notre Dame benefits from this alleged new Big Ten media deal. Number one. And number one is the Big Ten Conference. First of all, if you're the conference, 
You're going to have games on Fox, NBC, and CBS throughout the day. You start at noon, you wrap up with the primetime game. Who knows, they may expand and create a fourth window if they add a couple of more West Coast teams. Theoretically, you could have the number three Big Ten game on Fox at noon, the number two Big Ten game on CBS at, let's say, 3.30, the number one Big Ten game on NBC at 7.30 or 8, and why not create a fourth window out West? Own the primetime late night as well. If you had a couple of more West Coast teams, you could always have, let's say they had two more West Coast Big Ten teams. Let me just throw out names. Oregon, Stanford, USC, UCLA. You can always have a couple of those teams playing at home, and all of a sudden you've got a fourth window of Big Ten football. They did really, really well. Plus, if... The speculation is true. Not only does the Big Ten Conference enhance itself, but how about the money being made for the teams in the conference? The 16 teams right now, supposedly they can make between 80 and $120 million per year off this deal. Now, there is a chance that streaming services are going to be involved in this, so there could be more people that benefit. Amazing. 6.50 is our time. Sportsbeat continues next on WSBT.